Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to No Chick Flick Moments. I am your co-host, Remy. And I'm your other co-host, B. This is our Supernatural Watchcast, your one-shop... One-shop stop. <laughs> one-shop stop? One-stop shop. I mean, the I one feel like either works. <laughs> your one-stop shop for Supernatural Meta. It works better as a tagline if I can remember it. One episode. <laughs> Any one episode. Here. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for listening. Today we are covering uh, season two, episode four of Supernatural. Children shouldn't play with dead things. Mm-hmm. We are going back to the horror model episodes and we are taking our first look at zombies in this episode. You know, I was actually thinking about that. You say first look at zombies, but did we get who have we ever revisited this before? Like an undead? Um, zombies come back season fourteen. Um Ooh, that's we- a big jump though. Yeah, I mean, I say this because if you look at what we've been rewatching, we went 14, 15, 1, 2. <laughs> so it very well could be between then and uh-huh, now. But uh-huh. um, I remember it from the episode with Jack and Harper, the librarian, because Harper resurrected her oh. dead boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking about, like, yeah, resurrected things, and the closest I could come was a ghoul, which isn't really a resurrected person. Yeah, it's like corpse adjacent. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, we have zombies this episode, Mm -hmm. and children shouldn't play with dead things. That's one of those episodes that I feel like I hear about all the time, but I, it didn't. Uh, I, sorry, hold yeah, on. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I remembered none of the plot. <laughs> I was, yeah, the title pings, nothing else though. Yeah, children shouldn't play with dead things. Oh, I know that episode. And then I started reading the synopsis and I was like, what the fuck? I have no memory of this place. Oh, well, oh okay. Children shouldn't play with dead things. Okay. I, I believe you guys. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of the synopsis, give us the deets for this episode. Sure. This was an episode that was written by Rael Tucker and directed by Phil Manners. Wait. Kim. What what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) You are merging two very well-known names. What did I do? (laughs) (laughs) I did not think this was going to be a loosey-goosey episode, B, but okay. (laughs) Who did this? I I wrote down Phil Manners. I I'm impressed. I am ninety eight percent sure that the director for this episode was Kim Manners. Yes, yeah, Kim, it was Kim, not Phil Segretia, but <laughs> you know, Kim Manners directed this episode. I don't know why my hand got away from me like that. <laughs> I don't know where he pulled he your hand i mean it was possessed i've i was gonna make a freud joke so you saying he i'm like yeah (laughs) freud possessed your hand and was like we're going with the subconscious here (laughs) exactly that's right (laughs) look the original air date for the episode was uh october 19th 2006 and this synopsis makes me laugh so so fucking hard you know 
in Star Wars Episode Eight, where um, <laughs> where Luke Skywalker is like amazing. Every single word that you just said is wrong. <laughs> Everything you just said is wrong. Oh my god. They picked a completely different episode to <laughs> do a synopsis for? That That is the vibe of the synopsis. Good lord. The the headline, uh, the, the tagline of the synopsis made me laugh too. All the synopses have taglines. I just never share them, but this one was worth sharing. All okay. caps. All caps. A ghostly battle leaves Sam injured. That's it. Yeah, that, I mean, well, that's that's the tagline. Uh, like, yeah, but like, what? They're like, we have to point out he broke his hand somehow. <laughs> oh, I'm Here's sorry. Tagline, I, quick. I, I missed. I missed the five words at the end of the episode, which was, I think she broke my hand. <laughs> but he is gravely injured. Anyways, here's the synopsis <laughs> of the episode. Sam and Dean investigate the murder of a college student who has come back from the dead seeking vengeance on those who mistreated her while she was alive. Upon confrontation, the ghost savagely attacks Sam, leaving him injured. While in town, the brothers visit their mother's grave to pass along something from their father. I mean, they got one thing kind of right. Oh, they... (laughs) None of that was right. While in town. And then I'm like, okay, not both brothers, but like one brother does, you know, hand something off at Mary's grave. Okay. Yeah, but it wasn't something that was passed along from the t- from the father. And it wasn't while yeah. in town. They went to it's town. The this was the prequel. The, the start <laughs> of the episode is that they are going to, I assume, Lawrence yeah. to... um. Uh, visit their mother's grave yeah before we hit the boys though we do open the episode in a different way yes so the recap is all focused on dean's struggle with john's death Mm -hmm. and when we start the actual episode we find a woman struggling with a breakup and she is being comforted by her friend named neil Um, Her ex, Matt, shows up at Neil's house, forces his way inside, but Angela is already gone. She has escaped into her car, and she is driving erratically when she answers a call from Matt, and in a fit of heightened emotions, um, stops paying attention to the road and slams into, like, a concrete barrier. Yes. She crashes the car, and we title card as we see the cracked windshield, her bloodied uh, figure left in the driver's seat, and Matt on the phone. Angela? Angela? Are you okay? She's not okay, bro. No. She's, she's not okay. No. And from the screen on her little flip phone, we can see it is August 22nd, so now we know just roughly where... This season is taking place in the year, mm-hmm. and I don't know about you, but did you recognize Matt at all upon initial watch? He looked familiar, but kind of in the way that everyone in a early 2000s TV show mm-hmm. kind of looks like a, a character from Greek, the ABC <laughs> family sitcom. Love that. It's not a sitcom, it's a drama, but... <laughs> the point remains. Yeah. 
Yeah, I didn't recognize him because I didn't recognize his voice, but I'm like, this is Letterkenny. This is the man himself, Jared Kiso, our second Letterkenny boy in this show. Who? Whomst? You haven't watched Letterkenny? I haven't. Oh my god, you are missing this daring Shakespearean glimpse into (laughs) Canadian culture. (laughs) No, I I missed it. I've never heard of it. I will find you one of his opening monologues that are just really great. And you'll hopefully you'll have a better um, opportunity to pair his face with this old version of him because I did not place him until basically he, spoiler alert, was getting killed this episode. So wait, you recognize his voice? Is, is No, a... his voice is completely wrong. Like His oh. whole thing is like, so you were in town with the boys the other day? <laughs> and it's like... Oh, okay. So when okay. he's like, where's Angela? I was like, who is this man? <laughs> But when he was screaming in his death throes, you were like, oh, I know you. All of a sudden, like, his face was open. And again, the open <laughs> face doesn't look right because his character on Letter Kenny and his character on Shorzy. Maybe he looks kind of like Shorzy. This is unintelligible to you. I'm sorry. But on Letter <laughs> Kenny, he just is like the squintiest face. Like, you would draw his expression as, like, a straight brow line and two little ticks for his eyes underneath <laughs> it. And you're like, that's his expression all the time. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, I am, like, keeping a letter Kenny watch out for no fucking reason while we go through. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're up to two now. Wait, who's the other? Bugs Ken- Boy. In Bugs, the kid who is keeping the bugs. Oh, oh he plays, who's, who's later Samandriel? Yeah, who also plays Samandriel. Um, he's basically the emo goth with apparently a really huge dick in Letterkenny. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And again, listeners, if you haven't watched Letterkenny, I can't even recommend like going and finding little clips to watch because they would be unintelligible but (laughs) truly the show is kind of fantastic (laughs) just potty humor and shakespearean dialogue at the same time so shakespeare okay (laughs) Okay. on that ringing endorsement um yeah you said title card we had title card we cut back to see dean and sam driving in the impella and Dean is annoyed that Sam wants them to visit their mother's grave. Yes. Sam, this is stupid. It's not even mom's grave. There's no body. There was nothing left after the fire. There's mm-hmm. a a piece of rock that some uncle that we've never met before put up with Mary's name on it. Why would you want to go visit her grave? Yeah. What connection do we have to this place at all? But... <laughs> But way to throw out this casual mention of our mother's uncle who we never met before. I'm like, hmm, I wonder whose fucking fault that is. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Like, again, John, what were you doing raising these kids? And, like, my notes, I was like, so the headstone was not even put up by John. Like, he spent no time mourning and, yeah. like, going through the procedures of grief and loss. He just, I guess, again, from last season's episode, Home, 
Um, we found out he hauled ass before social services could get involved. So maybe is that why he <laughs> didn't bother putting up a fucking headstone? And isolated his children from any remaining family. Yeah. And as we talked about, you know, with uh, episode two, the clowns episode and the introduction <laughs> of the Hunter Hub and then coming into episode three with Bloodlust and Gordon again uh, alluding to this network of hunters that has all- always existed and that John himself was seemingly deeply embedded in but kept his boys very separate from they had no idea they had no no fellows no companions in life they just were completely isolated and if if it's not by design then it's ignorantly cruel of the man i mean it's got to be like paranoia and something like that i mean we could speculate till the cows go home about what John's <laughs> mindset was in those early days. But, you know, 20 years later, what is your excuse, man, for keeping your kids apart? Because you can say, I want to keep them safe as much as you want, but it's very much valuing, like, physical safety over emotional, mental, anything else. It's just, if I keep you under lock and key, like... <laughs> If I keep you in a jail, then only people who come visit the jail can hurt you. And it's like, yeah, but your kids are in jail. Exactly. Very well said. I'm like, it's it's his it's Rapunzel syndrome. But yes, it, what you said was more succinct or more descriptive than just saying they're like Rapunzel, <laughs> which is the best I can come up with. I do like the Rapunzel though. I'm like picturing them up in the tower. There, <laughs> one of them has. Like, it'll be Sam. It'll, it'll be, be Sam, Sam with the really long hair. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. so <laughs> there's extended family that they don't talk to. I guess we'll find them in season six. But um, Sam is insisting that this pilgrimage is not about where Mary's body is or anything like that. It's about honoring her memory. And he says, after dad, it feels like the right thing to do. And Dean's still trying to wiggle his way out of it. He's like, oh, we should go to the roadhouse instead. But Sam is like, okay, yeah, drop me off. You go there and I'll hitchhike back. And then Dean's like, oh, that sounds like socializing without you as my social buffer. I'm not down for that. Uh-huh. Oh, you want me to hang out with a bunch of people and do people things? No thanks. Yeah. And I just find it kind of interesting that Sam is just like, no one asked you to come. And then mm-hmm. Dean's like, oh, mutter, mutter, grumble, grumble. I'm still coming along. Yes, yes. Because Sam... I think it's worth noting that Sam did seem genuine in saying, okay, just, you know, let me go. You go do your own thing. You know, Mm -hmm. this is just something that I want for myself. Uh, And it it wasn't, there wasn't this air of Sam giving Dean an out or Sam trying to play Dean or angling for something Mm -hmm. different, uh, calling his bluff. There was nothing like that. It was, he was just like, I'm going to do this and you can come or you cannot. And this is just for me and I get it. So whatever. Uh, yeah. But Dean for, I, I would say for reasons that are not clearly apparent here, he 
literally says, oh, and what? Just go and hang out with strangers? No, I'll stick with you, I guess. So it was, it was I mean, we, we can make jokes, but it, it was exactly as you said. You, Dean seemed to be more discomforted by the thought of separating from Sam and going to yeah. the roadhouse alone for, you know, okay now i'm like digging myself in but (laughs) if it was it but it was he uncomfortable because he didn't want to go to the roadhouse alone and he didn't have sam as his social buffer or was he uncomfortable because he didn't want to leave sam period because he was protecting sam i mean why not both why not both that's always his role so he doesn't want to separate from sam whatever he will just go along yeah yeah, and like we saw last season, I think it was, where Dean was saying like being a hunter is kind of an antisocial life. You don't get close to people and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So I could see that this beginning is leaning into that angle where Dean doesn't socialize with other people, really. Like he can be sociable, but as we see at the end of this episode, he says that the only people he's really close to and that he cares about are his dad and Sam. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe we can draw a line between those things. Agreed. So next we cut to the graveyard and Sam is in front of Mary's headstone and he is digging a spot into the grass where he could put John's dog tags. Yes, he lays them into the ground and tearfully tells mary that he thought that she would like to have this piece of john yeah and gives a little love you mom with tears in his eyes yeah i love you mom yeah meanwhile dean is standing a hundred paces away grimacing at a stranger's headstone with a loving father Uh, yep yeah he's staring down this headstone that says loving father at rest Mm mm-hmm He also notices this really weird tree that is in autumn colors with the rest of the greenery around. And he goes over, looks at this temporary grave marker at its base, and also at the perfect circle of dead grass upon the grave location. Yes, everything around the grave has shriveled and died. Yeah. Dun dun dun! So... We next see Dean getting information on the grave from one of the caretakers. Turns out that this is a student named Angela Mason, who is from a local college, and her funeral was three days ago. Dean thinks it's the weird surroundings, and the groundskeeper confirmed that there's no pesticides or chemicals that were used to create that circle. And since it's unexplained, Dean speculates it could be unholy ground. You know, something with evil seeping into it happened here. You know, a dark event. Mm -hmm. And um, And Sam is, as Dean is explaining this, Sam is looking on just in complete, like, Okay. Okay. Okay, where's this coming from? Oh, really, Dean? A case here in Lawrence where Missouri literally told us that the demon left a scar on the earth and fucking... (laughs) (laughs) You think there might be signs of demonic presence around here? Oh, okay. In here? In Lawrence of all places? Yeah, he literally says that. Like, it it seems doubtful that this would happen, but... um... 
he he thinks Dean might be sublimating his feelings into something else. And he doesn't say this, but Dean can sense it under what Sam is Sam's skepticism. And so he pushes Sam to say what he means, and again, Sam's just refusing. Yeah. No, nothing. Fine. Let's go look into it. Yeah. Dean says the least that they can do is check it out, so they go to find Angela's dad to talk to. Yes, who is Professor Dad, Dr. Mason, at the college yes. that Angela herself attended. Yes. So Sam and Dean greet Dr. Dad at Angela... Uh, excuse me, Professor Dad. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Sam and Dean greet Professor Dad. And they call themselves Angela's friends, and they're there to offer condolences. When they're in his office, Dean notices this ancient Greek book that seems suspicious to him, even though Dr. Professor Dad has an explanation. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. He is he is a doctor. I should give him his proper title. <laughs> Dr. Dad. I was not paying attention close enough. Dr. Mason. Dr. Dad. Okay. Thank you. So they find out about Angela's car accident, and Dean makes a point to say, you know, must be hard losing someone like that. Sometimes it even feels like they're still around. And you see the moment on <laughs> Sam's face where he realizes what Dean's doing and, like, he just becomes so unimpressed. Well, I mean, why, though, Sam? I mean, if you're not here to fish for information, then why are you here at all? I mean, yeah, it's always awkward that they have to ask these weird questions and couch them however they can, if they can. But, uh... I mean, Sam, you're in the room for a reason. You, uh, It seems to me like you've already agreed to go in fishing for more information. So yeah. let the man do his job. Don't roll your eyes at him. Yeah, and like he's doing a fairly okay job of, you know, don't be suspicious. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> but apparently it's not subtle enough for Sam. But at anyways, Dean's hinting very baldly at this being a spirit, and Dr. Mason kind of agrees. He says he does feel like that, and he even calls Angela's cell phone sometimes um, before he remembers that she can't answer. Mm -hmm. And he even says, you know, family's everything. Angie was the most important thing in his life, and he feels lost without her. So I feel like this is hitting a lot of buttons that Dean would agree with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole, well, the whole episode is hitting on these uh, th themes that Dean is resonating with, which is why he gets so wound up tight and agitated over the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. It The episode really is doing this subtle work that only truly makes sense in hindsight. Um I, I have some feelings about how it's paced and things like that, and like how they decided to end this episode, but we can get to it when we get to it. Um, for now, we're just getting the sense that Dean is connecting to this case, this alleged case, in a way that Sam is totally blind to. I, I disagree. I think that S Dean is keying into this case hard and Sam is seeing it and, and is attributing it to one thing when really it's something else. So I think that Sam is seeing that Dean is 
is overly invested, uh, but he doesn't really get exactly why. Or he think he assumes he knows why, but he's missing the mark. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, for me, what I was seeing is Sam's doubt that there is even a case, and then Dean just digging and digging in a way that it feels like Sam is humoring him. Rather than mm-hmm. thinking, okay, there's something here that Dean is connecting to. My impression was more that he's like, Dean needs to get his feelings out somehow. And he knows how to hunt. That's the tool he's chosen this moment. And yeah. so I'm going to try and keep him on the rails as best I can. Right, right. And we can see that Dean is running this down hard. Uh, but it's... I don't know. I think that it's not, it's not what Sam assumes, right? It's not from misplaced grief. He's not just channeling all of his, uh, unprocessed emotions into his anger and hunting and killing something. He, he is angry, but it's, it's be, it's because he, one sec. He is angry and he is, like I said, overly invested in the case, but it's because it's the, the topic of conversation here is resonating with him. And I mean, like the man says three times and you, you, you said, you know, the re his reasons behind it are only clear in hindsight, but I'm like, he, Three separate times in this episode, he says, what's dead should stay dead. It's not right. Yeah, but do we know that Dean is talking about himself beforehand? I will say no. Oh, yeah, true. Well, we haven't talked about it, but I agree with Dean even at the end of this episode. He's like, it's not rocket science. You're not stupid. You You know that something has gone down. Dean had this miraculous recovery. John died. And Sam and Dean haven't talked about it. And we, you know, going through the last couple of episodes, because in episode one, we know that John gave himself up for the boys. Uh, But on the surface, Sam and Dean don't know that. Except, like Dean says at the end of this episode, I mean, they, they know it's obvious it has that has to have been what happened so now dean has we have seen dean grieving but i i would i think that the only thing that this episode reveals is that dean's grief is is guilt is rooted in guilt um which if we had stopped and talked about it then it's obvious but we 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 didn't really so i yeah. guess that's i guess i can concede to say that this is that's the core kernel of this episode that's what this episode is revealing that yeah. dean has been carrying this guilt not just grief but guilt in being the cause of his father's death yeah like you're definitely right remy i just feel the way that this episode was structured they had Dean's big emotional reveal be like the cliffhanger thing at the end, which means that it was meant to be a reveal. Mm -hmm. It is something that is supposed to surprise us and make us want to tune in and see what happens next. 
So for me, the fact that, you know, Dean doesn't have his emotional outburst halfway through this episode and then we start like connecting it moving forward the whole thing is that we're supposed to be on sam's side and think that dean's being irrational and also understand you know dean is picking up on clues but you know (laughs) when you're really mad and you're like i need to get these feelings out somehow so you like go do the dishes (laughs) that's this is like dean's equivalent in in sam's mind right he's like okay Dean's out there angry washing and scrubbing pots and I want to like go and be like hey are you okay like what's upsetting you I don't really think that it's on the forefront of his mind that Dean would blame himself for his father's death because Sam doesn't blame Dean for it Mm -hmm. Sam doesn't have that thought like he might wonder if there's a connection but I don't think that he spends any time dwelling on it Whereas this episode is really showing us that Dean has been dwelling on this and it like bursts out of him as this surprise at the end of the episode. Yeah. I agree that they're building up with that. Was it earned? I, you know, it's supernatural. I'll, I'll yeah. give it to him. Yeah. I mean, we're really just polishing these tiny different nuances of what's going on but ultimately sam is sensing something's up with dean and dean is strangely fixated on this case for whatever reason right and this episode is trying to make us wonder why before ultimately revealing it right yes maybe because i already know the answer to the question i that's why i didn't really connect to the episode because i'm just like sam well, I don't know. I I didn't really feel one way or the other because I was going to yeah. say, Sam, why are you pushing so hard? You just spent four episodes pushing, 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 and Dean. Um, like I don't see Dean being unreasonable in this episode. I I see Sam thinking that Dean is being unreasonable, and and um, Dean getting, I would say, reasonably upset as at his doubt and his you know, uh, um, pity's not the right word. uh, He's like patronizing him. Yeah. Uh, Or he's attributing, I think that Dean is getting, in a way, rightfully uh, annoyed that Sam has been spending all these weeks putting what Sam thinks Dean is feeling on Dean when Dean has been feeling a completely different thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Like, it's one thing to be like, someone is talking to you like they have you figured out. And you're like, the only way I can correct you is if I talk about it, but I don't want to talk about it. So not only do I feel this way, but now I feel like this tension between what you're putting on me and what is actually taking place. Right, right. And we see that break bad in this episode. Or, you know, break open. Yeah. Like, I think for the most part this episode, Dean's being reasonable, but he's also being very focused. Like, he is like a laser on this. And I think that that is worrying Sam because he's used to a Dean that's more laissez-faire. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he likes the job. This doesn't feel like Dean likes the job. This feels like Dean is driven by the job. And that's something that, you know, we probably parallel with John a little bit. And that's not to say, oh, this is the first time that Dean has ever behaved like John, because that's clearly not the case. But to see 
him so single-minded on something that they stumbled across, I think, is pinging some bells that Sam's just not sure yet um, what those bells are ringing about. I mean, hey, it's a carryover. It's a continuation of the themes that we saw from Bloodlust last week's episode. Yeah. Where... I, B, you and I kind of had the same conversation when Dean killed that vampire and Sam seemed really taken aback and shaken and just, you know, again, being, coming into, coming on to Dean to say, why, why are you like this? Why are you being like this? What are you doing? And I'm like, when we talked about it last week, we said, well, he's just doing the job. Like there's nothing, there was nothing so extreme about that vampire hunt. Um, that I feel should have shaken Sam to his core, but Sam saw in Dean that Dean was, I, I guess just focusing on the job and not on his feelings. And now he's doing the same this episode. And with Victor, he said, he had that conversation with Dean and it was, you know, it's not a crime to need your job. So obviously that's where Dean's at right now, needing the job and using the job to, to bury it it, to some extent. Yeah. I feel like that's a generous read being like, Oh my God, continuity between episodes and (laughs) supernatural. But it's <laughs> well, it a good was just last week. It, it was not that far removed. I mean, it's a good connection because, again, I feel like we're getting a little in the weeds here. Oh, but definitely. Oh, us Dean... in the weeds? No. I've, since when have we ever strayed from the path? No, I'm only no. four notes in B. B. I mean, we're fine. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just if we encapsulate in this episode, you know, just... Two scenes ago, Dean was like, let's go to the roadhouse, let's go hunt for the demon information. And now all of a sudden he is, like, honed in on this thing that Sam's not even convinced is a case yet. Mm-hmm. So that's a little, like, mm, Dean, what you doing? How you feeling? True, true. Because he was saying, you know, Sam wanted to go, uh, go do this thing that's not work-related, go and see Mom's grave, and Dean is trying to redirect and say well, you know, we haven't heard anything about the demon for a while. Let's go, let's go find a hunt. Let's go to the roadhouse. Uh, so now, you know, he, he wasn't able to go to the roadhouse, but he's still seeing shadows in, in Sam's mind. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, we end this scene with Sam comforting Dr. Dad and Dean looking annoyed that this lead isn't maybe panning out so far. Right, because Dr. Dad is, you know, Dean was asking his leading questions, but he didn't say anything out of the ordinary yeah. uh, as far, like, vis-a-vis, I'm, I have a ghost in my house. Yeah, or I'm, like, somehow involved with her death, like, right. these sort of things that they usually ping on. Mm-hmm. So we cut to just Sam and Dean talking with Dean insisting that something is going on here. There must be a reason for that unholy ground. And Sam is saying that there's nothing in Angela's life that would mark her as being a vengeful spirit. And he he's starting to tepidly confront Dean saying that he thinks Dean's doing this because of visiting mom's grave. 
that Dean's avoiding thinking about their dead parents by looking for a hunt instead. Right. Yeah. He's imagining a hunt so he doesn't have to think about mom or dad. This yeah. is all what you know, we've 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 talked about. Sam is again pushing Dean and uh putting you know, trying to attribute certain things to Dean that Dean is not uh, that Dean's not necessarily feeling. Yeah. And Dean looks like coolly pissed off when he hears this. Um, you can tell that it's it's like you say, he's like, okay, you're seeing shadows where and accusing me of seeing shadows. And he Sam can tell that he's hit a nerve and he's just tired. Like he he wants Dean to just own up, to just get to the point where he's healing. So he's like, like, do you want to punch me again? Go ahead if it'll make you feel better. And Dean is just clipped. He says he doesn't need this crap. He leaves. He's going to get a drink alone. And he glowers as he leaves. And and episode four of season two, we're now three episodes in on Sam saying the same thing. And Dean saying the same thing. Sam says, why won't you deal with her dad's death? And Dean says, I don't want to talk about our dad's death. And Sam says, but don't you want to talk about our dad's death? And Dean (laughs) says, I don't want to talk about our dad's death. And there's, I, if I'm at the point and I've only had three hours of this in my life, (laughs) then where, you know, again, I'm siding with Dean on this. I think that Sam is pushing too hard and not listening to his brother. And I don't know. Sam thinks that Dean is imploding, but I think that Dean obviously is not dealing with his shit, but it's not up to Sam to be the one standing in front of Dean's face and saying, deal with your shit, deal with your shit, deal with your shit. Yeah. Over and over and over again. In this episode and last one we're seeing collateral damage associated with it like sam was getting a sense of it when dean was talking to dr dad and gets a sense of it later when they reconfront the dad um that dean's pushing things too far and he's not really keeping cover he's not doing anything like that and mm-hmm. so um sam's a little like okay you need to do something because you can't just do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Dean is again saying, no, I'm not. I'm out. Yeah, so Dean leaves. So Dean leaves. And we cut to Matt, who is at home watching home videos of Angela and him during happier times. We see the plant in his living room rapidly wither. And he pauses with Angela's smiling face on the TV. And in the television's reflection, we see a figure in white. When Matt turns to look, his throat is slashed. He is dead. Yes. So, we are upping the body count this episode. We cut back to Dean, who is using a credit card to pick the front door at Angela's place. He goes inside. He's scoping things out. He sees a picture of her and also a figure in the photo's frame's reflection. So, Mm -hmm. oh my god. Instant parallel. 
but it is Angela's roommate, Lindsay, who is freaking out at the random guy in her apartment house. And she runs to her room, she slams the door, she says she's going to call 911, but Dean manages to convince her that he's Angela's cousin, and he was sent by her dad to pick up her stuff. Yeah. No, 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 I'm I'm Angela's cousin. I... What, what did he say? Steve Whitaker or something like that? It was like Alan uh-huh. something or other. <laughs> Angela's cousin. Yeah. I'm just going to come and pick up stuff and then next thing we know he has brought tissues to the inconsolable roommate oh my Uh, gosh they're sitting together in the living room and she's just tearing through that tissue box (laughs) lindsay's crying talking about how great angela was how it's such a tragedy and how she was just so great 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 and Dean's like so what was she like what was she really like she's just great oh okay (laughs) so verbose yeah and so Dean's not really getting a sense of if Angela's the type to have unfinished business but um he does find out Lindsay's crying a lot because it's not just Angela who died but Angela's boyfriend too Matt took his own life he cut his throat last night and She says that Matt was messed up for days. He saw Angela everywhere. And um, so Dean's kind of like, okay, this is a little bit weird. But if there was no reason for Angela to be mad at him, then there's no vengeful spirit. Yeah, this is one of those uh, funny beats that we get with early Supernatural where... Because, you know, at a certain point, the boys just don't give a shit, right? Yeah. They don't bother to obfuscate the real meaning behind their questions. But here, Dean is like, so, um, yeah, uh, uh, ha- Matt and Angela, how was their relationship? Were they happy? Happy couple? Were they happy? She's like, that's a weird question, but yeah, they were <laughs> fine. There's no reason that she would uh want to, uh you know, maybe be mad at him. No. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. And she he was seeing her, like, seeing... Okay, like so where... Like ghost. <laughs> where did Matt live? Where did Matt live? Oh, my God. Remy, you get the fucking Emmy for that. Because <laughs> that was spot on to what was going on here. <laughs> so, yeah. We return to the motel. Sam is watching pornography. <laughs> Casa Erotica 4. And I'm just like, he's sitting at the foot of the bed. He is bent over. He's got like an elbow (laughs) resting on his knee. He is studying the screen. But as soon as Dean shows up, he turns the TV off and Dean starts like being a little pissy, being like, oh yeah, I just wasn't out drinking. I was out investigating this so-called non-case and look at all these leads I found and like just spills all the deets of what he has located while he was out and about. Yeah, no, no, you're right, Sam. I didn't really find much of anything. You know, only that the boyfriend slit his own throat last night. That's completely normal, right? Oh, and also he was seeing her before he died. Totally, totally not a case. But I'm sure that's just me transferring my own feelings. Mm Mm-hmm. So Sam finally has to be like, okay, maybe something's going on here. 
I love this because, yes, Sam says, okay, Dean, okay, maybe it is a case. And Dean just snaps. Maybe, maybe, uh, uh, Sam, I know how to do my job, despite what you might think. Like, I I knew from the start, y- you're, you're projecting, and you need to cut that shit out. Yeah, you took maybe two intro to psychology courses while you were at Stanford, but don't apply that shit on me. Um, he's rightfully irritated. To, mm-hmm. Like you said, it feels a little patronizing the way that Sam is feeling him, mm-hmm. is treating him. Mm-hmm. So, okay, yes, okay, it's a case. Yeah. What do we do? Yeah, he's... Sam says, you know, they should check out Matt's apartment, but Dean has already done that. And he really just found a pile of dead plants and a dead goldfish. Not the goldfish! I know. I was like, that's just... Well, I'm like, that's not even evidence. Because I'm like, goldfish have a tough time in life. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Um, Dean's not convinced Angela's an angry spirit. At least not yet. Um, but he did steal Angela's diary and read it to confirm what her headspace was like. And he thinks that they should question more of her friends for intel. Yeah. She's almost too nice. It's, we need we need more information. So they go and meet the guy from the introductory episode scene, um, Neil. They introduce themselves as grief counselors. And when they mention Matt, they say, you know, we just want to make sure that you're okay about that, too. And Neil says that Matt wouldn't have killed himself over greed, over grief, but he would for guilt. And they're like, okay, hmm, what does that mean? And he says that Angie's death was Matt's fault. The night of the accident, Angela caught Matt with another girl, and she was very upset, and that's why she ended up crashing her car. Yeah. Angie's death was Matt's fault, and he knows it. Knew yeah. it. Yeah. So, it's not that he would be bummed out about Angela dying, it's that he would hold himself responsible. And mm-hmm. that's the only reason Neil can see why Matt would have killed himself. Mm-hmm. And thanks, but no thanks. I don't really need right? a grief counselor right now. I think I'm gonna be okay. Right? Like, he dumps all of that. Uh-huh. And then he's like, Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that I don't know because because I think he does info dump, but I think it's I I thought it was kind of organic because they come and they introduce themselves as grief counselors from the school and, you know, oh, we know that you were close with Angela and oh, it's horrible what happened with Matt. Right. Because he they at first it's Angela and uh he neil is saying uh no yeah i it, it's you know appreciate it but no it's okay and then sam and dean push a little more and say well yeah but it's not just angela it's matt too you know we just want to check to see that you're okay and uh neil dismisses them because he is definitely giving off the the vibe that he's not if he you know, yeah, if Matt killed himself, then it's, Neil's not really losing any sleep over it. Yeah. You can see he wasn't fond of the guy. Mm-hmm. But, 
again, it it was kind of it was pretty organic because Neil said, "Look, I'm sorry that happened to it to him. I I, I really am like he didn't wish the guy dead, but he it is obviously better that his friend's death. Uh, can, I I mean, it's not like Matt is actually responsible for this accident, but it, Neil is." obviously like i said bitter that his friend's death came from this argument that he had that she had with her boyfriend yeah 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 so at any rate they got kind of a lead now okay so this would help explain if angela was an angry spirit so they again do a walk and talk and Dean is saying as much. He thinks that a vengeful spirit is looking more likely. Um, but Sam wonders whether it's over now that Angela's gotten her revenge. And I'm like, Sam, have you met your father? <laughs> <laughs> like, for me, this was like the strongest John parallel that I got was this idea that you get revenge and then it's done. And it's like, your whole life fucking was molded by one person's sense of requiring revenge and it continues to be molded and i mean once we find out at the end of this season question mark when next season question mark when they kill the yellow-eyed demon i'm mm-hmm. like it doesn't end it doesn't end that's not that's not the idea of behind vengeance mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Well, I just thought, I think maybe one of the reasons why I didn't really like this episode is because I thought that it was weak motivations. I can't really connect to this um, sex doll mm-hmm. that they made Angie out to be uh, as as her reanimated self. Um being yeah, it was a shallow character. Right, and shallow motivations like that even Sam and Dean are now being like, "Oh, okay. The girl got cheated on, so she so her eternal soul is is <laughs> still tethered caught, to earth. Yeah, tethered to earth because she's so angry that her boyfriend cheated on her, her college uh, boyfriend. Yeah, it was like, okay, you could go to heaven and like meet all of your loved ones or whatever within the supernatural lore. And she's like, no, I'm gonna stay here and cut a bitch. Uh- <laughs> and that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And and even that this, you know, her her zombie self is out to kill Matt and the person that he he cheated on her with. Yeah, like this episode has so much going on just with the case that there's like no time to delve into more depth for the characters, the motivations and things like that. Like that that time in the episode that's reserved for those types of things is just Sam and Dean's walk and talks that are, you know, kind of by rote. Dean, you're not telling me how you really feel. And Dean be like, shut up, Sam, we have a case. Like, uh-huh. we have that conversation like three fucking times this episode. Right. Uh, yeah. Like, and... I was almost like, this feels like a buckle <laughs> no, 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 no. There's not enough uh, trailing like, plot lines to be a buck. It's a good episode. case, which is the only thing that like saves it. Like, I was just about to say, it's not a good case. <laughs> oh my god, 
<laughs> it's not even a good case. Okay. Well, B, okay. So, so like, give like, me if they were going give me a minute. To... Okay. Okay. Go. go. <laughs> no, I mean you can go, but or we could go at the same time and let the <laughs> listeners deal with it. But I'm like, all of the elements are there, but there are some glaring holes that make it more like Swiss cheese than like a satisfying hunk of Harvati or something. <laughs> I would say it's not even a good case because they are just bouncing around yes. and not really, I don't know, bouncing around with no real, I, I don't know. I mean, 100%. They're reacting to everything. Yes. And it's like the, I guess what I'm like, I'm like, the bones are there. But the walls are made of paper streamers. And I'm like, ain't no way this is keeping the wind out. We're not keeping the rain out. We're not doing it. This isn't anything. Like, I'm frustrated about little things like the conversation between Dean and the roommate. There was no sense of maybe guilt coming from Lindsay because, spoilers, we find out she was the person Matt was cheating with. Yes. Um, We don't find out until like later even though dean's already read the diary that neil has a crush on angela like there's little things like that where i'm like so much of this episode could have been sped up and streamlined by having these things happen sooner but because of the way that the episode is structured it would like fall apart like a house of cards if you did the reasonable thing and it's not even like you can say, well, the characters wouldn't do that. Because I can I can give a lot away when characters are not being rational if it's in character. But when you're just like, Dean's read the diary, but did not mention that Neil has a crush on Angela right. until a couple scenes after they've already talked to Neil. I'm like, that that doesn't feel right. That feels a little bit shoddy. Right, exactly. You, you said it best on why... I'm I I was feeling it was thin. It's that they are just reacting. They're going from place to place and just reacting to the next thing that happens because, you know, the the fucking zombie is loose. Yeah. Uh but I want it very where there could have been more of an a sense of an investigation, you know, mm-hmm. like this is Sam and Dean's job. They know how to gather information and construct a case, but they're not doing that here. They're just like, oh, we'll go talk to the dad and then we'll go talk to the best friend. And then, oh, someone else is dead or someone else is getting attacked. Let's go deal with that now. Yeah. And that's a good point. Like that, I was thinking about that too. The investigation elements of this case happen off screen. Mm-hmm. Like Dean's going into Matt's apartment, um, them getting the translation for the spell that is carved into um, Angela's casket. Mm-hmm. These things all happen off screen. We're just told about them, which is fine. You can get away with that. But it also is a symptom of just how jam-packed this episode is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, Dean going into Angela's room and finding the diary and... Yeah. Even reading the... through it and right. making a face or something like that. Or like... notes or anything other than, like, he didn't say anything about Angela really. He didn't say anything that he gleaned from the diary other than he, she has a friend named Neil. Okay. Yeah. Let's go talk to Neil. 
And then later being like, oh, I think Neil has a crush on her. Yeah. It's like, this could have been one conversation. Like, I'm, I'm so <laughs> mad about that. And, really? Yeah. And the bit where Dean's talking to Lindsay and Lindsay doesn't even have, like, a shred of guilt for cheating on her roommate. Right. We're not putting, again, it, the episode just seems pretty shallow. Yeah. Overall. They're, yeah. yeah, they're trying to do these reveals or whatever, and they're not reveals because you you didn't put in the work in the earlier scenes to make yeah. it an, an impactful uh reveal yeah like i will say the first time that i watched the episode this week i was intrigued like i wasn't sure how all the pieces would fit together and it was done in a sufficient way that at the end of the episode i was like okay yeah i can buy that and then i was like wow we're ending the episode this way um, with Dean and Sam's little conversation. And then the second time I watched it, utterly checked out. I, I could not pay attention. I just d- didn't care because th- maybe because the two watches happen so close to each other. But part of it is also the second time I watched it, as I was looking more closely, I just found these glaring holes that didn't read well to me. And then that just made me check out. Yeah. Well, my biggest thing beyond how shallow the whole structure of the case was in the investigation itself was that you have a zombie monster, this new monster that you haven't used before. And you gave us nothing from it. She was a literal sex doll for this guy that resurrected her. Like instead of giving me this two minute scene where she's like farting with him on the couch and she's sitting on his dick. Why don't you give me a scene of her down in the basement fucking eating a dog or something? Give, yeah. Give me something or, fun. Like her having some tension between being that, you know, that doting figure and then also having the impulse to snap Neil's neck. Like yes. give us that tension with this character give us the sense that there's something wrong with her beyond she killed her shitty ex-boyfriend right right we're not getting monster vibes from her at all and you could have had so much fun with a zombie yeah yeah i'm with that okay back from the weeds um (laughs) dean is like okay we're think it's a vengeful spirit maybe she's done but to be sure let's go burn the bones And then that makes Sam scoff. He's kind of like, what are you talking about? (laughs) She's juicy still. Like, there ain't bones. There is a bag of bloating bacteria six feet underground. And you want to dig it up and burn it. Right. She's only been dead a week. We're not burning the bones. We're burning the embalmed corpse that... Yeah. Has been in the ground for four days, so. And Dean's like, "What are you scared of getting a little dirty? Like he he just won't be swayed." I'm like, "It's not gonna be a little dirty. It's gonna be fucking vile." Yeah, but hey, since when are you squeamish? Come on, let's go. <laughs> so then it's nightfall. They are grave digging. Sam and Dean hit Pater. They open the lid to the coffin and they find that it is empty within. Yep, no body. Angie in the basement. Yep. We cut to Neil's place. Angela is smiling at him and says she missed him before kissing him deeply. So we're like, okay, so he's he's the one that is up to something. Yeah. Body's not in the grave. 
Neil's got her. Yeah. So Sam and Dean are confused, but they see the symbols carved on the interior of the coffin lid. Dean seems to recognize the alphabet from Mason's office. So the next day they head to Dr. Mason's house and Dean, in a very terse fashion, says they need to talk to him and they head inside. Yep. They show him the symbols. They confirm the translation that they came up with off screen. And this is a spell used for necromancy and communicating with the dead. And Mason is like, yeah, according to legends. And Dean becomes very, very indignant. And How dare you? Yeah. What gives you the right yeah, he, Dean has already made up his mind. Uh, Dr. Dad is the culprit, and he is the one who uh, did this this necromancy ritual, raised his daughter, and Dean says, look, I get it. There are people that I would give anything to see again, yes. but what gives you the right? Yes. And I'm like, this is where we're seeing the parallel, mm-hmm. or at least what we're led to believe is the parallel um, between Dean's life and this case. That Dean is responding so vehemently because you don't resurrect the dead because it goes against the natural order. I mean, as much as he wishes he could have some people back in his life, this is like a taboo line that you do not cross. Yeah. He says what's dead should stay dead. Where is she? Do you know what you've done? Like, I know that you're hiding her. And and Sam, at this point, since Dean is going in so hard on the doctor, and Mason is just baffled. No. Yeah. What are you talking about? Dean's getting out of control. Like, Sam's trying to cut him off, but Dean is getting into the actual detail saying that this is not even it's not even your daughter anymore they're vicious they're violent they rot the ground around them and he mentions pet cemetery and mason's like oh okay so this is a rant this is a mentally ill person right (laughs) oh okay so you're crazy okay (laughs) yeah yeah, so he he goes over to the phone, he's going to call the cops, and Dean still is demanding to know where Mason is hiding Angela. Sam ends up pulling Dean back, um, directing his attention to all the living plants in the house, saying, you know, if there's, uh, if the signs of the dead are other dead things, this location does not seem like it fits. So... Um, Sam apologizes to Dr. Mason, says they won't bother him again, and he ushers Dean out of the house. Yeah. Drags Dean out of the house. Yeah. And demands that that is well enough alone. Yeah. Like, now that they're out there, Sam wants to know just what the hell is wrong with Dean. And Dean's exasperated as he tells Sam to back off. Um... Dean's trying to brainstorm where Angela's being kept, but D- Sam shouts for him to stop. Dean is scaring the crap out of him. He thinks Dean is on the prowl for something to kill, that he's on edge, erratic, and um, he's using... He's these terrible things on the day-to-day, and then once he gets invested in the hunt, he becomes terrifying. Yeah, and 
And Sam says, I don't scare easy, man, but you're scaring the crap out of me. Yeah. And he says that Dean is tail spinning. He says that you refuse to talk about it and you won't let me help you. Um, and Dean kind of pauses and smiles and brushes it off, saying that he can take care of himself. Thank you very much. But Sam won't let him get away this time. He's trying to make the point to Dean that Dean seems to be the only one who believes that he needs to take care of himself. He can use other people. He he needs other people to get through this. Yeah, I mean, Sam is not just pressing Dean anymore. He's pleading with Dean. He's like, no, please listen to me. This is killing you. I see it killing you, hurting you, and you're not dealing with it. And Sam says, I lost dad. I lost mom. I lost Jessica. And now I see myself losing you too. And don't do this to me, man. Like, just talk to me. Yeah. Don't make me watch you drive off a cliff. Like, Mm -hmm. hand me the keys before you get that far. Mm -hmm. So, I I mean, I'm giving Sam tons of crap for pushing Dean. Uh, But Sam is genuinely scared because he wants his brother. You know, Sam's dealing with his own crap. You know, Sam's grieving as well. He's yeah. not getting any support from Dean there. Yeah. Uh, and even beyond that, even beyond Sam's own need for Dean and a need that Dean can't fulfill, uh, Sam is seeing Dean implode and it's scaring him. Yeah. That this could be an opportunity for them to connect to each other. And to bond, but Dean is striking out on his own. And he's even changing subjects after Sam gives this really heartfelt speech. Like this emotional moment where he's saying, I've lost all of these people. Are you going to make me lose you too? Um, Dean just is trying to change subjects. And when he realizes, oh, hey, that's a dickish thing to do. He does say more sincerely that he's been an asshole and he's sorry for that. But they do have a zombie to kill before it kills again. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. He he does pause on his usual flippancy to say, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. I, yeah. I'm being an ass. I know. I know that I am. But right now, uh, I'm going to keep my head down running because we got a zombie to kill. Yeah. And Sam just... Again, he kind of scoffs, and he's just like, our lives are weird, man. <laughs> and Dean <laughs> wholeheartedly agrees. Yeah. So, I mean, for all that Sam is really, really, really afraid that he's going to lose his brother, uh, I this one moment of levity, I don't think... It's another one of those things where it seems organic, right? It's not like... Mm-hmm. Dean is not deflecting here. He's not putting on the smile and then dropping it as soon as... Sam turns his back. Um, Dean knows that he's being an ass. And he doesn't want to... He He's dealing with his own shit, but he doesn't want to take it out on Sam. Yeah. And, and he sees that Sam has a point about collateral damage. You know, we just harass an innocent man. 
Yes. Because you're, you've got blinders on and you need to chill. So I think that Dean is not totally unaware. He, he just really doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah. And I mean, we're going to see how he just cracks open like, mm-hmm. I was going to say an egg on a warm day, <laughs> but that's nothing. That's nothing. I'm giving you nothing. <laughs> We'll see how it works at the end of this episode for him. <laughs> yes. So back to Angela. Um, Neil comes into the house and she's asking after his well-being. He tries talking to her about Matt's death, but she just brushes him off and asks him to sit beside her. Neil's worried she's the one who killed Matt and he says that she seems different now that she's back and... She agrees. She climbs on his dick, like you said. And she says that she realized Neil's the one who really loved her. He brought her back and she's with him now. Isn't that what you've always wanted? She says as she smiles. Yeah. Yeah. She... I don't know. I mean, they... they tr- I didn't get anything from this girl. I don't... There was no time to give us anything. Like, we didn't get a before and after. We got, uh, she's really distraught. She died. And then, okay, Dean says zombies are like this. Mm-hmm. And then we have to take his word for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm like, I can see what we're supposed to read between the lines. But I'm like, my God, sometimes I don't want to read between the lines. Sometimes just give me some good, good characterization. Give me some good shit. Yeah. We had this moment where, you know, Angela's like, it's me. I'm just a person. I'm still me. I'm I'm still Angela. But. It's like, how would we know? Yeah. And, and if you're not, if you are the monster, then I would like to like see some monstrous. I don't know. I would, I would like to get. I want you to be creepier, girl, okay? Yeah. I want, uh, I, I mean, because if, if you are, if they're trying to hint that there's some, like, demonic consciousness in her, and I say demonic, I don't mean d- demonic, but if, if, if she is something, like, this, this scavenged, incomplete piece of a soul that's been shoved in back into this rotting body then um then i mean you could have done more with that other than you know she's she's back and she's giving the guy exactly what she he he's always wanted like but is that her choice is 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 he some sort of like master to her compelling her in some way like what is her what is her motivation for sitting on his dick we don't even get that because what we saw at the beginning scene was you know he she considered him a good friend Uh, okay yeah yeah, we got the puppy unrequited love from neil but but there was no unresolved romantic tension between the two of them on Angela's part so why would she come back from the dead and immediately be like you're my one true love yeah like is she a needful thing 
like as a zombie is she inherently desiring someone to care mm-hmm. for her or is it something to do with the spell that Neil was the resurrector and therefore all of her focus is on him? But if that's the case, then how does she have external motivation to go out and kill Matt and then try and target and kill Lindsay too? Yeah. Like, I, you I'm could have you. had more been... fun with the ritual, with the yes. monster, with the case, but yeah. You didn't. Yeah. There was just too much. It. It's the Buck Lemming, I'm going to put a movie into 42 minutes and you're going <laughs> to like it. And it's, it could have benefited from breathing. I, I, I will find it unfortunate. I think the reason why I find it unfortunate is because half of these conversations that we had with the dad, with the roommate, with Neil, we could have cut them out. They were, we didn't learn anything from them. Yeah. We yeah. could have used that time better. Yeah, and that's that's what I get with, too. Like, we could have streamlined it a bit more. And then gotten creepier. Yes. But they can't all be home runs, so. No, and, like, there is, again, I'm, as, as, as salty as I sound, I'm like, I do like this episode. I just think that, um, to its detriment, I watched it back to back basically and it it does better with some time away absence makes the heart grow fonder (laughs) sure 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 Mm -hmm. um let's return to sam and dean they are arguing how the heck do they kill a zombie and dean's kind of like what are you saying like is there not any lore out there and sam's like no quite the opposite there is too much lore out there to parse fact from myth yeah yeah, the living dead, I mean, there are a hundred million different ways that you can put down a corpse, but which is the right way? Do you set it on fire? Do you shoot it with silver bullets? Do you feed its heart to wild dogs? Yeah, what exists as the basis of pop culture and what is just pop culture lore itself. Mm-hmm. As we see later in the episode, blowing its brains out doesn't work. So, yeah. The takeaway they have in this episode is, well, maybe silver might work. I mean, it seems to be a consistent thing across these myths. But even if they want to use silver, they have to find her to kill her. So, um, they decide to locate her. They need to locate her summoner. And this is, again, where I get cranky. Mm-hmm. Because Dean's like, maybe we should go back and talk to Neil. Because based on Angela's diary, he seems like he could have been in unrequited love with her. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he's also Dr. Mason's TA, so he would have access to the books with the ancient Greek spell in it. And Sam's like, yeah, okay, sounds like a good plan. Let's go. Yep. And they go back to Neil's house. They break in. I love Dean here. He learned his lesson, I would say, from sneaking into an unoccupied house that was not so unoccupied with Lindsay earlier in the the episode. As he breaks into the house, he calls around to say, Neil, we're here. It's your grief counselors. You want a hug? Yeah, I mean, it's dusk. 
we we do after hours. Where are you at? <laughs> he's bro he's bro he's broken into the house. Um, I would assume that they are thinking that it's unoccupied, but just to be sure, so that there's not any unpleasant surprises later. Uh, and Dean doesn't draw on a co-ed. Um, he calls out for Neil, and no, the house really is empty. But he's also walking around with his gun out, like, with the silver bullets armed, and... Oh, then, yeah. Like, hi, we're your friendly grief counselors, now talk to us! Like, <laughs> I don't know, yeah, it was... I, I, I didn't like that they were, you know, guns drawn, ready to go, convinced that the zombie was definitely going to be here. I don't know yeah. why they... I don't know. It was, um, uh, the level that Sam and Dean are at didn't match the level of evidence that they currently hold, which is none. Yeah. Again, there's a lot of show don't tell that is being consolidated in this episode and, like, condensed to its detriment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they scope so, yeah. up the house. Yeah. And they see all the dead plants all over the place. And they also see a lock on the basement door exterior. So, naturally, they go down into the basement, and Sam is way too tall for this area. (laughs) He's got his head kind of tilted over, and they do see a zombie pen, but no zombie. Yeah, a bear caught the lock on the basement door, and a uh, vent, I I suppose? A ventilation duct, yeah. Right, that is hanging off of its hinges, because it looks like someone made their escape um, via the vent duct. Yeah. It's a way too large a duct for a residential area, but whatever. (laughs) We need it to be the size she can climb through, so it's the size she can climb through. And they're like, oh shit, if she slipped out, then again, we have to find her before she kills again, but who's the next target? And Dean is speculating who Matt cheated on Angela with. That it would be her roommate, Lindsay, who seemed extra sad about her and Matt's <laughs> death. I mean, like, again, we're speculating here. It's a lucky guess because mm-hmm. when we cut next, we are with Lindsay. She is looking at a photo of Matt and Angela together. She hears someone outside the front door. She goes to open it, even though she's home alone, checking things out. She's like, mm, yeah, I'm just going to open my front door. But Angela does not attack her from outside. She is already inside the house and grabs her from behind and drags her inside and then chases her around. Hi, Lindsay. I'm home. No. (laughs) You missed one. You You missed one of Dean's most iconic lines. I skipped over it. You can take the time, though. I was trying to think, like, this is one of those lines that I've heard so oft repeated, uh, even outside of the context of Supernatural, that I don't even know if Supernatural coined it, but I'll take it, I'll attribute it to Supernatural. Uh, Dean, when speculating uh, who Angela's next target may be, and we land on Lindsay, uh, Dean says, well, you know, it takes two to have hardcore sex, so who's the other person? Oh, I know. Like, just, 
again it's like me when i'm struggling with a metaphor he's like (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's it it takes two to you know tango no have hardcore sex (laughs) you get it (laughs) and just the look on sam's face too he's like what are you saying this for (laughs) like i mean when i heard when i heard that uh i was like oh my god i didn't know that was dean but i'm gonna say it was dean yeah. Again, just one of those things that you hear all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, but, I skipped over it because I'm like, please try and imagine me delivering that line. Remy, you oh, like I did a so great job. You did better. It'd I didn't be even do it verbatim. It takes two. <laughs> <laughs> it takes two to, you know. And it's just, I mean, he, he, he delivered it well because, you know, it yes. takes two to tango. He set yeah. us up to expect one thing and then... Completely yeah. left ball, <laughs> yeah. Left field, left. ball, baseball, ball out of left field, Battlestar Galactica. Oh boy, <laughs> we're here. The roommate Lindsay is running away, screaming for her life, and Angela's chasing after her. Grabs a pair of scissors and just goes. Um, <laughs> Lindsay's apologizing, but Angela does not care. Um, Lindsay does get kind of pushed down on the ground and she uses her location to kick Angela's leg out and Angela falls onto the scissors chest first. Yes. Lindsay fearfully rolls over the prone body of Angela and we see the scissors sticking out from her heart. Uh, but... Angela's eyes pop open. She slowly withdraws the scissors as she grabs Lindsay by the hair to keep her close and looms over Lindsay, ready to strike with the scissors that she just drew out of her own heart. Yes. She is very prepared to stab this girl to death. But all of a sudden, two shots ring out from behind Lindsay stumbles backwards towards Sam and Dean, which I'm like, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) Especially when we're making it later in the episode, she stumbles away from the shots, but whatever. Um, She turns back towards Sam and Dean. She takes a third bullet to the chest, and then she just nopes out of there. She's like, I'm not doing any more of this. She escapes out an open window. Dean goes over to the window looking like he's going to chase her, but he just comes in like, damn, she's fast. I really love that. We should have kept focus on the window the whole time because uh, Dean (laughs) dashes out the window after Angela. Sam has just a couple seconds to go to Lindsay, uh, help her up from the floor, and reassure her that you know it's gone everything's okay and then dean is back through the window and i feel like he got had just enough time to stumble out kind of right himself and and look look around at the trees and see her already a a couple dozen yards away and be like oh oh well (laughs) oh hell yeah i'll go back i I put it like he was going to climb out the windowsill, but then he looked around and couldn't even see her anyway. And was just like, oh, fuck it. Like, just climbs back in. Yeah. Yeah. So, once again, we ask, what now? And Dudine says that they need to go talk to Neil. I'm like, again, could have done. Well, whatever. (laughs) We have a driving 
scene with the bros having a conversation. Oh, one thing before we go, which I thought, I don't know mm-hmm. if this is true, but I am convinced that Dr. Mason's house, Lindsay and Angela's house, mm-hmm. and Neil's house are all the same location and they just put a different uh, drapery on the front door window because... It feels like, hey? It's the exact same house. You walk in the front door, there's the stairs, it's just this little, like colonial a home kind of feel mm-hmm. it's it, you walk in there's the stairs there's you know, turn right into a living room and just the layout was very um the the layout and aesthetic of the home was very consistent across all three locations and i'm like okay yeah. so dr mason's house is this same exact house that Lindsay lives in but in the daytime but you won't notice because it's dark <laughs> now so see i thought um the outside of dr mason's house was the same house as um emmanuel and daphne from the born again identity how or- would you ever know that <laughs> i would have to watch it i have to see I think it is, but don't quote me on that. Maybe I'll find a picture and then be like, oh. Uh huh. Send me a screenshot. Okay, I'll do that. But yeah, okay. Driving bro talk. Yes. Um, they both agree that the silver did something, but it was not enough to justify wasting a clip on her. I also, I'm like, why do you think the silver did anything? She took six rounds to the torso and ran fat, like ran, ran like the wind away from your asses. Why do you think that the silver did anything? I don't think that a silver bullet was any more effective than a lead bullet here. I mean, she did pause and I think maybe you're going from like with the vampires when they got stabbed, you know, it was just like, oh, whatever. But she like stumbled and shit like that. So they were like, Mm -hmm. okay, I did something. (laughs) That's something, right? That's what we expect. Well, I wish I would have seen more again. They later when we see Angela again, she she has she still has these wounds, and obviously the wounds won't heal because she's a literal corpse. Um, but uh, if they were going to say okay, Silver did something, then I would I wanted her to get shot, and I wanted to see like her get poisoned like dead man's blood from the silver bullet wounds i wanted her to scream and thrash and flee and not just be like whatever guys i'm out of here yeah yeah that's fair like i guess the other thing too is i feel like the scissors were supposed to be made of silver like they were very shiny Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she got stabbed in the chest and it did like keep her paused for a minute but that's not something sam and dean would have known right yeah. Who makes silver scissors? I mean, who knows? <laughs> Someone's got to. Stainless steel? They'll be like, it's sterling silver scissors. Sure. Sure. Give it to me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I just took it more like a stake to the heart kind of thing. Yeah, that too. I feel like they were... Again, there's a lot going on with no effect. Agreed. Well, they're going back to see Neil He's not at the house, but he is at the school. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Oh, I forgot. Yes. yes, because we're coming up with the solution here. 
the silver allegedly did something. They need something stronger. So Sam is like, well, I did read about un- nailing the undead to their grave beds, just like how we used to stake vampires, I guess. And Dean's like, well, how do we get her to her grave bed then? And now, like you're saying, mm-hmm. we have Sam and Dean go to find Neil at his TA office. Mm-hmm. And they confront him about what he did to raise Angela. I mean, and they're talking about all these ways to kill a vampire. And I'm like, setting her on fire sounds easier than whatever the fuck you're going about. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Run her through but- a wood chipper. That'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just imagining the mess. I was like, Remy, a fire would be kind of messy. And then you were like, how about we just spritz her across the yard? How about, how about we just puree this bitch? How about we put her in a foodie blender and then just see what happens? Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, Do that. Remy, Remy. I want you to run a hunter hub. And they're like, how do I kill this thing? And you're like, blend it. Like, find out if it will blend. It's not even even an original idea. No, I know. Rufus and Bobby do that. (laughs) But still, I just like the idea where you're like, you have your own roadhouse, but secretly it's like a flyman's rental where you just like have wood chippers that you're like, okay, come and get it. (laughs) I, I think of it, I think of it more like the Buffy... Uh, no weapon known to man. Yes, but he you know, hit it with a rocket gr- launcher and see what happens. Yes, kind that's of. That's exactly it. Like that's a vibe that I would have loved this show to lean into more. Yeah, but here we are. We're gonna stake her through the heart. Um, they're confronting Neil. And this is, again, where Dean throws that line. When someone's gone, they should stay gone. You don't mess with that kind of stuff. Like, he's doing the whole, what's dead should stay dead. Yeah. And he said that Angela killed Matt and tried to kill Lindsay, um, but Neil is denying knowledge of any of that. Yep. Dean hauls Neil close by the scruff of his shirt and demands to know Angela's location. Neil admits she's at his house, except Dean notices the dead plants in the office. She notices the way Neil's shifty business looking at this door offside. Mm-hmm. And Dean asks, are you sure about that? Um, so he's kind of putting two and two together while he's dealing with Neil. He sees the door and he comes up with this fib. He says that... They can stop Angela with a ritual that takes place at her grave and that she'll be dead and again in a couple hours. Technically all correct. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a, not the ritual that you were expecting. <laughs> right. Well, Dean is uh now that he has a suspicion that Angela can hear them uh he is laying out a trap there is a ritual that they can perform at her grave that will uh render her again dead and they're just gonna go do that neil do you want to come you should i feel like you should come with us yeah come with us and neil is like no (laughs) he doesn't want to he seems afraid yeah. So Dean leans in and whispers for him to act calm, but get out of here ASAP. Like, do not 
lock eyes with the tiger. Do not make the tiger chase you. Just back away slowly and play dead if you gotta. Yeah, just be cool. Be cool, Neil. And most of all, don't make her mad. Yeah. But they leave. Trap set. They leave and hope that Angela will take the bait. Yes. Neil goes over to that door and opens it to check on Angela. And she apologizes for leaving the house without permission. She asks Neil for help. And he sees the wounds on her chest. And you can see he's upset looking at this mm-hmm. i think like the realization that hmm, angela is dead and this thing that is in front of you is not angela yeah i mean i i really can you tell that i really love that we went the whole fucking a corpse route on this going with the necrophilia mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but remy we are really proud of the way we made her into a zombie because we just basically painted her makeup really pale. <laughs> and we put some veins on her. And then that's it. We did it. Oh, they could have... You could have been so much more, Angela. So sorry they did that to you. I'm with you there. Well, so... Uh... D- Oh, God. She, she Sorry. Neil. Wait, Neil. <laughs> Neil, yeah. Neil is realizing that uh, Sam and Dean are told the truth here. Angela really did kill Matt and tried to kill Lindsay. And like you said, it seems to be realizing that he it, it has a monster on his hands, not yeah. Angela herself. Yeah. yeah, and Angela is asking him to stop sam and dean like help her by killing them and um stop anyone from hurting her again yeah and she's promising that after they kill sam and dean essentially they can get out of here they can start new lives together um and neil's kind of shaky as he agrees and he's like you just stay here i'll go get the car I'm like that's not gonna work. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I her justification. The only glimpse into maybe her motives. I don't know that we get this episode is her justification to kneel on having killed uh, Matt and attempted to attempting to kill Lindsay is well, but they hurt me, and if you really loved me, then. You would make sure that no one ever hurt me again. So that's why we have to go kill the bad men. And then after that, it's over. And we can go and live our lives. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's like, what motivates a zombie? Because, like, what what is a zombie at this point? Because Dean's given this speech about how they're vicious, they're violent, all of these things. And then here she is giving her best puppy dog eyes at Neil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Again, there's a lot we're being told, and then what we're being shown is different, and yeah. I'm not saying that they can't be different, but it's difficult to connect the dots without seeing a transition in movie. Yeah, I mean, well, there, I, I would say that there's a time and a place for, uh, th- there needs to be a reason behind there being, you know, what you're being shown and what you're being told is two different things, and yeah. if, if, if you're trying to... Um, tell your audience something by being clever with something like that, then that's one thing. But here, it's not like 
there's some underlying meaning here. It's just disconnected. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, maybe there is meaning, but they're not giving us enough. But, okay. I mean, what does that, what does the companion book say? Was there were they so was the companion book really excited about a zombie or were they just like, yeah, this is an episode? Okay, so the companion book it has a bunch of little subsections where it delves into more detail. So like these are called a closer look, you know. So one of them is what are the ghost rules for supernatural? You know, what do ghosts have to do? Well, that's and not then even, if I go to the zombie one, it is a page across from creepy clowns. <laughs> Let's see. Zombies are usually created for one of two reasons. Either the conjurer loves the person and will do anything to be with them, or else the conjurer wants a monstrous, monstrous slave to do their dirty deeds for them. There have been reported incidents of toxic waste and ET viruses reanimating dead bodies that desire only to eat human brains, but there's no verifiable evidence to support such claims. We were going for a bit of innocence, head costume designer Diane Widas says about the zombie Angela, that innocence makes zombies more manipulative, Eric Kripke informs. They act in many ways like the same person before they died, which makes them harder to kill because they can play with your affection. And that makes them more dangerous, Kripsky continues. Because what they're actually because they're actually very different from who they were alive. Ugh. That's so yeah. weak. Because yeah. you you tell okay, so the the zombie excerpt, the zombie summary was basically was basically saying uh what I think that we're leaning more into with the episode itself, which is, or I'm sorry, what I don't think that we're leaning into with the episode itself, but which is the only explanation that makes sense within the context of the episode, which is that, uh, Neil resurrected, um, Angela and with meaning to or not, uh, he was essentially creating a slave or putting a compulsion on her to do, to, you know, abide by him, his, yeah. her, her conjurer. Yeah. We didn't get a sense though that like she has to do his bidding at all in the episode. Cause he's like, stay home. And she's like, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, she definitely knows, uh, I guess his, his what he wanted from her emotionally. I don't know. Uh, so she's playing into that. And then we have Eric Kripke being like, no, it's a monster. It's not who it was before. It has a consciousness, but it's not, you know, it's just, it's, it's this monstrous thing that has its own motives and, and desires and i'm like well is it a slave is it a zombie slave or is it yeah. a monster what if, what do you where, where which way are you going here and like to confuse the matter okay so there's i'm flipping through different sections here and riel is talking about the episode and she says i approached angela the zombie as a victim her story is tragic. She was hurt and betrayed when she died. Now this gross, unnatural creature she's become is carrying that rage, unable to let it go, unable to control herself, much like Dean. That parallel is what made her the right villain for this episode. 
Hmm. Hmm. Just wait, Remy, there's more. We were looking for the right story to explore the aftermath of John Winchester's death. How differently Sam and Dean cope with loss and the conflict that creates between them. Revisiting Mary's grave seemed like the perfect way because her death was the catalyst for all of this, for everything they've become. They've been on this revenge mission ever since, so in a way they've never properly grieved or healed from that loss. And now it's all about avenging Dad. They just keep repeating the same pattern. And that's Sam's point of view in all of this. We need to just stop and deal with this. But all Dean knows how to do, the only way he knows how to keep going, is to kill whatever's in front of him. That tension is what attracted me to the episode. The zombie chick was icing on the cake. <laughs> well, that's a lie that I didn't get from the episode, but it's nice to know <laughs> what the intention <Yeah>. was. <laughs> like, again, I think if this was a two-parter, you could fit all of these things in. And yeah. some of these things are there beneath the surface. But like initial watch, it's what's the case doing? How do we get from A to B to C to D to the finish line? And then the second watch, I'm just like, again, that that feels so dominating to the entire story. It would have been better, I think, to spell some of these things out more clearly and spend a little less time on the case. Yeah. I mean, if if the intent was to put all of these narrative tensions in between the the brothers and you know what sam is thinking and what dean is thinking i feel like i only got a third of that and i would say i barely got that mm-hmm. like just sitting here brainstorming out loud i'm like did we have to have the diversion or the red herring of vengeful spirit you know couldn't sam and dean have had some knowledge about zombies from their dad's journal so then we didn't have to spend so much time being like, why is she so angry? Mm-hmm. And if, or like, is she a vengeful spirit? We could have actually had her been a zombie, spell out what zombies are like better and be like, they have to do their resurrectors bidding, but they have this uncontrollable rage. And then you wouldn't have to have it be with all these additional redirects of, well, she was cheated on and all that. Like, you could have Mm -hmm. just genuinely had a much more streamlined story and gotten the themes out of it more clearly. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I thought you were joking when you said, Remy, I can just read the three paragraphs out of the companion book and we get the whole episode. And I'm like, okay, well, that's okay. I I can take, I I now see that I can take what they wanted to do with the episode and bring those themes forward because, uh, I mean, that's what they wanted us to take away from it. Yeah. All of those parallels, like, uh, or not parallels, but... Dean connections connections you know why are we visiting Mary's grave because Dean Sam is trying to prompt Dean into like confronting his feelings and uh and we needed to have a case with a uncontrollable rage monster because that's where Dean is at right now and yeah like to to do what you were doing earlier and compare this episode with last episode like last episode i could feel that tension of 
wanting to just give in to the more negative impulses Mm -hmm. that grief makes you feel. I could get that. They didn't have to say that. I got it. Whereas this one, I got, there's a zombie case and we have a lot to get through. (laughs) Head down, feet running, out the window, Angela style. Don't, <laughs> if you don't keep up, you're lost. Like, <laughs> I, oh my god. Okay, this is totally inconsequential to the episode. But I was seriously like, run girl, run, when Angela was chasing Sam down. <laughs> In one of we the established she's so fucking fast. Like, she should have just been on him. Like, a spring-loaded leapfrog. Like, she was booking it. She was. She. <laughs> I love this actress. She was like, I'm going to chase down this six-foot-four man, and I'm going to look good doing it. <laughs> he ain't no match for me. I was the star of track and field. I loved her. Uh yeah, I wish this was a better episode. It's, an, it's a fine episode. Like I said, I'm like, I'm beating a dead horse at this point, as I am wont to do. But the bones are good. It's just how we arrange them and what, you know, the paper mache we use to put them together that I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've said everything that I want to say because watching it, I was just like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and again, it's fine. I mean, I it's fine. It's just yeah. an episode of Supernatural. We're good. Yeah, I like. I needed the companion book in that moment, right there, live as we were speaking, to be like, oh, okay. There's the depth. Uh huh. <laughs> I was skipping like a stone over it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. So Neil hustles to his car. He's getting ready to leave, but Angela finds him, and she accuses him of abandoning her. And she succinctly snaps his neck. You are gonna leave me? You won't leave me. She snaps his neck. Mm-hmm. Again, wanted more from her character. Didn't get it. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. So with Neil dead, we cut back to Sam and Dean lighting candles in the graveyard. Dean kind of doubts that this will work, but it's the only idea they got. So here goes nothing. Sam starts a patrol around the graveyard looking for Angela and she comes up behind him and she's like, wait, no, don't shoot me. I'm still me. I'm still a person. And (laughs) Sam (laughs) just shoots her in the head. Yeah, this is where, oh, okay. I I just like, I like I like to think that Sam, the academic in him, was just like let's see if this works and shoots her straight through the forehead. Right? And she wasn't being sincere. She just said some shit because she got caught sneaking up on the guy. Yeah, she wanted to get close enough that it wouldn't be a problem whether or not he would shoot her. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, but she's saying, I didn't ask for this. And she's still herself. And if we're drawing lines with Dean, you know, he didn't ask to be saved by his dad. and mm-hmm. He just lives with the repercussions. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you, companion novel. Yes, I'm adjusting my glasses knowingly. <laughs> so yeah, Sam shoots her in the head and then takes off running, and Angela is in hot pursuit. She is hauling ass after him as he runs for her grave, um, but he ends up getting knocked down, and as she is prepping to snap his neck, Dean shoots her, and she switches targets. 
After a couple more shots, she ends up falling backwards into her grave. And Dean runs up. He jumps in. He stakes her in the heart as she begs him to stop. And finally, she falls still. And Dean says again, what's dead should stay dead. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's dead should stay dead. I'm like, okay, Dean, I get it. But it it was a it was a pretty uh badass moment. He he takes a running slide into the grave and then stakes her through the heart. And as soon as the stake uh hits the bottom of the coffin, uh she goes still and I thought that was a good, you know, I don't know. I like I liked it because you could have you could have gone two different ways here. You could have gone that, you know, you stake the body to their gravesite and that's what renders the reanimated body back inanimate. Um or you could have gone the I'm gonna pin her to her grave and leave her there for like all eternity conscious and uh-huh. Yeah, she's still screaming yeah. as they are reburying her. Right, right, right. But I liked that they, I liked the nod to I don't know lore that they found the thing that they legitimately, legitimately found the thing that, uh, that killed the zombie. You know? Yes, yes, they were successful in their guesswork. <laughs> And it was like a good little edge of horrifying to have mm-hmm. her begging as Dean was pushing this into her. Like it was that right bit of like, oh, it feels like Dean's going too far, even though this is what is called for in this instance. Like mm-hmm. that, that I'm like, okay, that draws back to this episode very well, too. Yeah. Yeah. I did like it. I did like the scene. And I thought it was funny that he shoved a whole freaking three foot machete or something through her chest and I'm like how do you think you're gonna close the coffin lid on that I don't know what kind of knife he had but it was a hockey stick I'm like it dead ass looked like an angel blade I don't know (laughs) I don't know what kind of prop it was that just might be me going like "Mm, I miss Cass hey no it was definitely the length of an angel blade if not longer and it was yeah yeah, I don't know I I was honestly I was looking at I was like it's not I said machete but it's not a machete it's something that is it's like a spike it's a steak yeah it's a silver steak yeah I guess so they found it one in a wholesaler in Lawrence Kansas Mm. (laughs) I'll take it I mean they're they're giving it to us. We have no choice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they rebury the coffin, yes. and Sam takes a moment and says, "Rest in peace for good this time." Yeah. So come morning, they have finished filling in the grave, and they're getting ready to leave. Um, Sam admits that Dean's ploy to get Angela here was successful, though he dislikes that he had to be bait. And Dean makes a joke about her poor taste in men, so Sam was the obvious choice. Oh my god. And yeah, we get the line where Jared <laughs> is saying that he thinks he broke his hand. <laughs> which which we dedicated a whole sentence of the synopsis to, where uh, the zombie savagely injured 
Sam. Like, that was some sort of major plot point in the episode. Right? The football tackle that we just see happen. I love her so much. (laughs) She wanted to be a running back or something. (laughs) What could have been? Before they leave the graveyard, there is a final look that Dean bestows upon Mary's headstone. And Sam kind of gently asks if Dean wants to stay a while, but he does not. It's time for them to pack up the Impala and leave. Yep. And then they are in the car, they are driving. This would typically be where we see the car just drive off into the sunset, but not this time. Dean pulls over on the shoulder of the road and he climbs out. He goes and plunks his butt on the front of the Impala. And Sam gets out and sits beside him and just waits out um, Dean's attempt to talk. Right. Like you said, this is the moment where Dean cracks. Yeah. He starts apologizing to Sam for his behavior. And he's kind of got a chin wobble going on as he tacks on. And for Dad, it's my fault. He's gone. Yes. Sam's like, what? are you talking about and dean is saying i'm sorry because it's my fault that dad's dead he was your dad too it's my fault he's gone it's not rocket science sam i know that you've been thinking it i've been thinking it too it's i had this miracle of a recovery at the hospital and then not five minutes later dad is dead and the cult is gone and i know that the demon was involved i don't know how but uh it's pretty obvious that john made a trade and he traded his life for dean's own and that's how dean sees it yeah dad's dead because of me Mm-hmm. And Sam's like, no, Dean, we don't know that, not for sure. And Dean's just, no, like, no, Sam, really, no, just listen. Because you and Dad, you are the most important people in my life, and now he's gone. And he's saying that Dean couldn't... He he knows, Dean knows that he was dead. He was a dead man. And he should never have come back. It What happened to him, whatever called him back, it wasn't natural. Mm-hmm. And he was, he should have stayed dead. Yeah. He's got those Disney princess eyes just filling up with tears. And he's speculating. He doesn't know how he feels like the demon's connected to it. But he... Yeah, his coming back wasn't natural. He should have stayed dead. Mm-hmm. John's dead because of him. Mm-hmm. And he, and he cries. Huh? He cries. He cries. The f- single man tear. Yeah. And falls he's upon like, so, his cheek. He's like, so that's how I feel. Like, he asked Sam how he could possibly make that okay. Yes, yes. So, Dean says yeah that's how i feel you want to know how i feel that's what i've been feeling that's what i've been dealing with and how am i supposed to tell you that and what are you supposed to say that makes that okay where do we go from here so why would i tell you yeah yeah there's nothing that can make this okay yeah like this is a weight that's going to be on him for the rest of his life exactly 
because he's the reason his dad is dead. Yeah. And that's not a trade he would have signed up for. Nope. But it's a trade he's got to live with. And it wasn't his choice. Yep. I didn't this choose is where to be he's made at. like this. Yep. So this is where I had a thought about, and I was like, we're not getting into this essay. I'm <laughs> getting into it, but we're not getting into it. I mean, we cannot, but we are. Um, I was like thinking about the way that this show in particular, but like kind of television at large, treats men's emotions within a storyline. And I felt as I was watching it that it was really telling that Dean's moment of emotional vulnerability is treated like a cliffhanger. Hmm. It It's something that comes at the very end when we have no time to process it and we have no time to delve into it, no time to witness the character getting support and healing from it Mm -hmm. it's it's like the climactic event of this plot line this episode is dean revealing his feelings right rather than dean recovering from things right right and we're just to assume that sam and dean have uh, 30 seconds of silence hanging out at the back of the impala while the camera drone slowly pans away and that's it they get back in the car and they drive away yeah yeah and i mean it's not to say that it's unrealistic for the era or even unrealistic for the way that society at large likes to treat men's emotions where it's oh you're suffering well you'll you get it out and then you can get over it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, the getting out is just part of the process of getting over it. It's not the whole process. And the way that this episode was really showing Dean struggling with his feelings, like he's getting increasingly erratic and collateral damage is forming around him. But the episode ends with him just revealing how he feels. And it's like... I don't know. There was just something about it that spoke to me as the fact that this is happening as like the end story beat rather than Uh something that happens earlier in the episode and is aired and given opportunity. Yeah. I felt something about that that was curious to me. Yeah. And we've talked about it a little bit previously in other episodes where we uh, we get Sam or Dean to put something out there and, and reveal something about themselves mm-hmm. and become vulnerable, but s- something interrupts or they just leave it hanging just at yeah. that. Like you said, just admitting the thing, like that's enough. Um, yeah with no with no follow up and we have said like oh i i need more from this cuz it's it's okay okay this is a thing that exists in 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 the world now but what does that mean for you dean yeah what do we do like i my mind immediately goes to something wicked mm-hmm. because There was the moment where Sam and Dean were kind of having that heart-to-heart as they were waiting for the Striga to attack the kid, Michael. And it's 
cut off abruptly and then it's not revisited. And, I mean, you can make the argument it makes sense for TV, but I'm curious why it makes sense. You know, what What does it mean that we as a society are just like, no, that men wouldn't do that. You know, mm-hmm. men wouldn't comfort each other after hearing these things. Sam wouldn't, you know, pull his brother into a hug after he admitted this horrible feeling that he has. Like, it's interesting to me the way that this show kind of captures in amber yeah. these expectations for the characters based off of who they are in relation to each other and who they are in relation to the society at large. You know, it's blue collar boys with lower class, lower middle class. Like I wouldn't even put middle in there, but like John and Mary were presumably middle class. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, I felt that in that moment Mm -hmm. and it's not a critique of the episode. It's a curiosity. Yeah, no, I that's really interesting. I really like that you called attention to that because you're right. It's just a freeze frame on this moment and mm-hmm. we're left to, I mean, it's just dropped, you know, I don't yeah. know. Like I said, we're, we're just left to assume that the boys got in the car and drove away because yeah. Dean said it. So and Dean said it and Sam gave his little understanding sad-eyed nod and then that's it. Like part of it's the medium, you know. We got to yeah. save some meat and gristle for next week, but it is just I felt it was very stark in this episode when, you know, what the companion book said. Dean is this grief monster, this rage monster, and he's losing control of it. And mm-hmm. it just, I felt it was interesting that Dean's storyline was so focused around these emotions, and the resolution was just, he airs some of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he doesn't heal from it. He just speaks it aloud, and that's what concludes that storyline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 That was hardly an essay. We did it. <laughs> well, you 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 put forward your thesis statement so well. I didn't even have anything to add to it. <laughs> Maybe the listeners will. Maybe they'll be like, "Okay, this is what you missed here, kiddo." <laughs> I'll be like, "You're right." You're no, I'm just like, it. "You're totally right," and this is a great example of that. And it's something that you know, supernatural. It's such a uh, now that you point it out, I'm like, yeah, that's what Supernatural does. That's how they, <laughs> that's how they do emotional moments, right? Yeah. They just, they just say it and then, and then, okay, that's, that's the, that, that's the end of that particular storyline. Like you said, that's the, they, they, they've admitted it. So now, so now that's, that's done, right? They've yeah. dealt with it, right? Yeah, no. we don't get catharsis from seeing the character grow. Mm-hmm. We just, we're supposed to. I, again, the thing that Dean is revealing at this episode's end is kind of meant as like a shock or a cliffhanger. Like that's that's how we're treating the emotions here is tune in right. next week rather than this poor character needs therapy. <laughs> Aww. So is that your takeaway from the episode? What's your final takeaway? I mean, my takeaway would probably just have to do with those 
parallels that were trying to rise to the surface in this episode. Mm -hmm. Like, the companion book really puts it into better words than I could, but just the idea that they're going back to where this started, their mission has changed from a revenge story to an avenge story, and... You know, when does the cycle break? When when do they get the opportunity mm. to grow from it when they're not given the ability to hash through the things that hurt them? They're, they're just being given, okay, if you say it aloud, that's good enough. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very curious about all of those things and how they relate to each other. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't thought about that, that in the context of the season yet either, how their revenge story has now turned into an avenge story. And now John has done nothing but pass off the baton. And where is that going to take Sam and Dean through the rest of the season? Yeah. He raised these perfect inheritors of his trauma. He, he didn't help them heal. He, again, it's conceal, don't feel. (laughs) Dean Winchester's middle name out here, out in the open this episode. And it's curious to see them at the start of their journey with this stark taboo they have of you don't resurrect the dead. And then see how the fact that they've been involuntarily dragged over this line by John and how distraught it's made dean this episode Mm -hmm. it's just curious to see how that evolves over time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's a big takeaway remy what's your takeaway (laughs) i think i have two one is pretty petty and that i kind of enjoyed (laughs) making fun of the zombie this episode where (laughs) i'm like she's just you just gave me a, a a sex doll like a what by number this? personality like this is the I, I i just i actually genuinely did though both in watching the episode and talking with you about it enjoy speculating on how they could have done zombies better and yeah. how the case could have been you know more compelling and how this is the the supernatural this is a horror story they could have done more but uh they I, I, but instead I got to roll my eyes at uh, uh, Little Miss. Oh, uh, Neil, uh, no, you're the one for me. Uh, while knowing that she was, like I said, on the sly eating dogs in the backyard or just yes. killing people or whatever. <laughs> yes, that juxtaposition between innocence and grotesque mm-hmm. would have been cool. I just wanted, I wanted more of the grotesque. Yeah. And, uh, but the one thing that I was really thinking about while watching this episode was that the major theme of the episode is what's dead should stay dead. And right now it's Dean, you know, this was unnatural. He says, Mm -hmm. it's not your place. Uh, who are you to decide? We have all of these things coming into this episode and I loved hearing them knowing where we're going to end the season. Yes. Yes. Oh my God, Remy. You saying that in that moment, I remembered where we got. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah. this journey. I, that was a hoo yeah excited <laughs> noise. If you couldn't tell 
I mean, I, I loved it. It was super, it was super, like, evil laugh, mwahaha, because... It was a gut punch of joy. I love that the writers know, I mean, I'm going to assume that the writers know where they're going with, um, with the, like, to the end of the season and where Dean ultimately makes his, uh his demon deal where he is in this moment condemning John for ever putting that on Dean himself. Mm -hmm. And we're getting this whole episode where Dean is just raging against like there, this is the line in the sand and you do not cross it. And how dare you think that you could play God in this way. And then what does he do at the end of the season? Just throws it all out the window because because it's I mean, Sam. I, yeah, Dean says there's only two people I care about. And, like, you're the last one left. Yeah. Like, you matter the most to me. So we're going to see just what lines he's willing to involuntarily drag his brother over. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of put forth at the beginning of this episode, uh, or at the beginning of us recording, uh, it, Children shouldn't play with dead things. I hear about this episode all the time, but I don't really remember much of it. Why is it so meta? Like, why do people like it so much? Um, what is the takeaway that viewers are getting out of this episode? And I think that, um, especially some OG viewers, the, the base of viewers that were watching the season at the time, can you imagine having this episode and then getting to the end of the season and looking back on Dean in this moment and being like, Oh boy, you have no idea what's coming. Yes. Like that, I feel like is the element that, um, that polishes this episode to Mm -hmm. a more refined shine because, it's just interesting seeing what is apparent on the first watch versus mm-hmm. the second watch versus where it is in the season versus the season overall versus the series overall. Like that I think is why I'm like, I do like this episode for all of my bitching and moaning. Like really, I'm just like, could we have put the content into a different vehicle and got there in a smoother mm-hmm. ride? Because the content that we're, we got is good. Yeah. I'm not like, this was stupid. This was a waste of time. Nothing like that. I'm like, what we're giving compelling shit. It's just the, it's kind of in a Winnebago and it's clunking its way and it needs its shocks replaced. Yeah. I totally get that. And I agree. Yeah. Yeah. All of our complaints just stem from the elements of the, uh, the case fic elements of the episode itself that... Uh, we feel could have been slimmed down. Yeah, and like we're complaining because we like the show and yeah. we like to see it at its best. And it's it's <laughs> I deeply relate to having um ideas and ambitions greater than my ability to implement them. And <laughs> so brainstorming about those types of things is satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. 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 So that was season two, episode four, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things. Yep. Yep. And thank you guys for listening. If you join us next week, we will cover season two, episode five, Simon Says. Simon Said. 
Simon, oh, I did not write that down. I said Simon <laughs> Says. I mean, it's good for you to remember that because I've been like, uh, uh, and like I'm holding my phone in front of me so I can say it. <laughs> Simon and- Said. Andy Gallagher joins the scene. I know. More special children. Now that we don't have Dean, now that Dean's let it all out and he's all better now, right? Right. Uh, we get to talk about other things other Let's than go have fun again. Dean <laughs> not dealing with his grief. Oh my god, I'm like flipping through the IMDb for this season and I'm like touching the ground like I have no memory of this. <laughs> Andy Gallagher, next week, Simon yeah. said join us yeah and you know if you have a spare 30 seconds or so kindly rate or just review or (laughs) the other way around you could just give us a rating or if you have a little more time to spend give us a review that would be very kindly of you it helps us reach a greater audience and appreciate those of you who are here and hope we can continue the stuff we love that you enjoy as well yeah or if you know even a one through five stars if that's too much if that's too many too many numbers to think about then just click the little subscribe button yeah just every little bit helps out and we so much appreciate it yeah thank you guys thank you bye bye